0: Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town you all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. All right. Hi, everybody. This is Don. This is Josh. And uh, we're going to try something a little different. We asked you if you'd be interested in a little bit more... um, content from us and uh you said you were so what we thought we would do a little uh fun size little uh quick maybe 15 20 minute episodes where we just talk a little bit about a uh an urban legend that we may not go deep onto um and the good thing about this is it doesn't matter who's with us it can be a rotating cast of characters So this week it's me and Josh, but one day it may be me and Ruben or Kat may be with us. It may be all four of us, just three of us. It doesn't matter.
1: It's because y- Ruben's late. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is what Josh and I do to kill time when, when Ruben is late. So uh, so basically what we're going to do, uh, it's going to be called, or it may not be called Fun Size, but Bite Size. But bite Size, w- Fun Size.
1: We'll fun come size. up with some
0: kind of title. Maybe we'll do a contest and you guys can name the show. But these will just be little midweek... Um, Little drops that we'll do just to kind of give that that little taste of urban legends that, like I said, we won't be doing um, really deep dives on because they're just ridiculous, like alligators in the sewer or mm -hmm. things like that. So uh, What you got for me? So right now what we've got is called the Cursed Mummy.
1: Okay. Okay. I love Brendan Fraser.
0: (laughs) I don't know. The Tom Cruise one was better for me.
1: Don't. Don't you dare discredit <laughs> Brendan Fraser? No, I saw the man them. is an angel.
0: I saw the original in the theater. So, all right. So, in the late 1800s, a party of four well-to-do young English gentlemen made an extended tour of archaeological excavations in Egypt. One evening in the bar of their hotel in Luxor, they met an antiquities dealer who engaged them in a lively conversation about archaeology and some of the artifacts he had acquired over the years.
1: Straight up, nothing good happens in a hotel bar.
0: No, not in nothing. Egypt. Nothing. Definitely not. Not in the 1890s either. <sighs> Maybe dysentery. That might that might have happened. Can I'm
1: literally mean? wearing my Oregon Trail <laughs> t-shirt. <you>
0: <laughs> in fact, said the dealer, I've just purchased an exquisite sarcophagus that contains the intact mummy of a princess of the 13th dynasty. It is the crown jewel of my collection. Would you like to see it? The young gentleman said that they were very eager to see the sarcophagus. Please come to my warehouse tomorrow morning about nine, the dealer said. At exactly nine o'clock the next morning, the dealer met the four travelers on the narrow street outside of his warehouse.
1: <clears throat> this, is the, this is the start of a D and D side quest. It is one hundred percent, or even the start of a they, full blown side quest. Yeah, they're they're in they're in a tavern. Yep, exactly. They they, they are approached by a, a traveling uh, uh, archaeologist. Yep, who has a, a whole mummy. Yep, that he wants them to come see. All right. Yep.
0: So. uh... Good morning, he said, and as he shook each man's hand, you're very punctual. Then, drawing a key from his pocket, he unlocked the warehouse door and threw it open. Please come in, the dealer said. The dealer led the young men through a labyrinth of wooden crates to a room at the rear of the building. Inside, standing upright in the middle of the small room, was the princess's sarcophagus. It was eight feet tall and inlaid with gold and semi-precious stones. On the lid was a portrait of the princess herself, her face serene and lovely, and her eyes wide open as if she were still alive. "'It's superb,' said the young men. One of the young men said, "'I think so, too,' said the dealer.
1: Uh, "'Yeah, I'm sure you do. You're trying to sell it.'"
0: (laughs) For the next hour, the five men examined the sarcophagus closely. The dealer read the inscriptions for them and even opened the lid so the visitors could examine the mummy of the princess. Then one of the Englishmen cleared his throat and said, "'Would you... have you... considered selling the sarcophagus?' The dealer seemed taken aback by the suggestion, but now all four of the young men pressed him to sell them the treasure. After some negotiation, the men settled on a price of 10,000 pounds sterling.
1: Typical sales tactic. What? He's he's making it look like he, uh, he, he hadn't even thought about yeah. selling it. Oh. Well, I guess I could sell it to you for 10,000 pounds. Yeah. They each wrote the
0: dealer a check for 2,500 pounds and asked him to have the sarcophagus packed up and sent to their hotel uh, that evening as they were planning to begin their journey home to England the next day. Before we conclude our arrangement, the dealer said, I should warn you that the mummy is said to be cursed. If you're having second thoughts, I'll tear up the checks now without any hard feelings. The gentleman smiled and one said, thank you, but none of us is superstitious. Late in the day, the packing crate containing the sarcophagus arrived at the hotel as three of the gentlemen met in the bar for drinks before dinner, they saw the fourth member of their party walking out towards the desert. They waited for him all that evening and looked for him the next morning. At last, they went to their British consulate to report their friend missing. They notified the Luxor police, but a thorough investigation turned up no trace of the missing Englishman, and he was never seen again. hmm Yep. From that moment, trouble seemed to haunt the young travelers. One was shot accidentally in the right arm as his servant packed his hunting rifles. <laughs> I I love stories
1: (laughs) where people accidentally get shot trying to do a regular ass everyday thing with their guns. My favorite stories. But, you know, maybe
0: it wasn't that. Maybe it was his servant packing it. Maybe he just tried and when he missed, he said, oh my god. Oh, sir, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I've
1: accidentally shot you again.
0: (laughs) What's that? The fourth time this week. Bloody hell. All right. So although a surgeon from the British embassy in Cairo came to Luxor to treat the young man, the wound became gangrenous and the arm had to be amputated. The third man in the foursome found on his return home that his that bad investments had destroyed his family's fortune. The fourth man was... That
1: sh- happened before you bought the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Those investments were already underway.
0: The fourth man was struck down by an illness which no doctor in England could diagnose or cure. AIDS. We, AIDS?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know what it was back then. People just died.
0: Remembering the dealer's warning of a curse, the surviving travelers put the sarcophagus up for sale. They found a buyer almost immediately, a London businessman with a passion for Egyptian antiquities. But no sooner had the sarcophagus had it been installed in the businessman's home that the curse struck again. His wife and two of his children were severely injured when their carriage overturned. Then the family's house caught fire, destroying every Egyptian artifact in their collection, except the sarcophagus.
1: I love this thing that always happens with cursed objects, right? Yeah. Where they somehow know who owns them, even if they're not in like direct proximity to right. them. You know, mm-hmm. they just somehow ma- magically know who paid money for it. <laughs>
0: Well, they've got the they've got the logbook up in the cursed world.
1: Yeah, right. Well, you've seen the inside of every sarcophagus. The yeah. mummy scribbles on the just on the inside.
0: Yeah, that little tiny abacus. Yeah,
1: the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> I could not think of the word abacus. Thank you so much.
0: Some days later, the Times reported that the British Museum had received a superb sarcophagus from an anonymous donor. As two workmen unloaded the sarcophagus in the museum courtyard, one of the men slipped and broke his leg the other dropped dead two days later. Now the princess's curse fell upon the British Museum. Night watchmen heard the sound of frantic hammering and sobbing from the coffin. Other artifacts displayed in the same gallery as the sarcophagus was hurled about by some unseen hand. A guard who witnessed the uncanny events died of fright. A chairwoman who scoffed at the curse and flicked her dust cloth at the mummy's face lost her only child to a deadly case of measles. By now the newspapers had heard of the strange occurrences surrounding the princess's sarcophagus. A photographer who took a picture of the sarcophagus for his newspaper found when he developed the film that the serene image of the princess was replaced by a grotesque, horrifying face.
1: Another thing I love. Yeah. When when faces are different in the picture.
0: Right. The photographer hurried home, locked himself in his room, and shot himself in the head. <laughs> As you do when the picture doesn't turn out the way you.
1: Yeah, I, no, I, I took yeah. photography. I know what it's like to not get the shot. Do you imagine if <laughs> all the
0: Twitter PR, the oh, Instagram
1: God, people, Instagram, their yeah. pictures
0: didn't turn out right? <laughs> oh, my Lord. We walk in, would be like Omega Man around here.
1: That's why they take 800 at every angle for the one, that, uh, the one that's post-worthy.
0: The museum's curator ordered the sarcophagus to be kept in storage in the basement. Within days, the foreman who had supervised the move was found dead at his desk. A private collector with an interest in the occult purchased the sarcophagus in the British Museum, and then invited the renowned spiritualist Madame Helena Blavatsky.
1: Oh God! Yeah. Blavatsky's attached to this. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. To, you know who she is? Yeah. I've never heard of her. You've never heard of no. Madame Blavatsky? No, I
0: was just happy I was able to say her name right.
1: Yeah. No, he nailed it. Yay! <laughs> she's very uh, like Nazi occult oh, connected. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a bizarre bizarre character. <laughs>
0: Well, she was invited to perform an exorcism. After spending a few moments in the presence of the princess, however, Madame Blavatsky hurried out of the room saying, no one can overcome such evil. For 12 years, the sarcophagus passed from one owner to the next, leaving behind a trail of disasters and tragedies. Then an American archaeologist purchased the sarcophagus. The curse did not frighten him, and he attributed all the misfortune of the previous owners to the quirks of circumstance. In early April of 1912, he arranged for the sarcophagus to be shipped to America and booked a stateroom for herself, himself above, aboard the same ship, a luxurious new cruise ship of the White Star Line that had been was making its maiden voyage to New York. The name of the ship transporting the sarcophagus it was the was Titanic. The Titanic. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun.
1: <laughs> Big shocker there. Yeah. Man, I, l- I love how much i hate urban legends (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) says the guy
0: who works on an urban legends podcast that's that's great that's that's awesome yeah nothing makes me feel better than a person who's working on a show that i come up with that's like i fucking hate urban legends have i said that oh my god you're so fucking ridiculous
1: no because i i mean that was that was just so cliche yeah which I mean I, I I love the cliche I really do i I love there it's cliche for a reason right but uh it's i I love all the recurring themes where you get to a point where you start out learning about urban legends you're like oh my god this is such cool folklore about the world mm-hmm. and then as it goes on and you read more and more and more of these things it's almost like a procedural like crime show where right. you're like it's the second person they interview every time <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the curse of the mummy yep. it's the picture doesn't come out the right way or it's it, you just you, you learn the earmarks right and then it's I, I actually can't think of any better analogy than it's uh, it's a procedural crime drama at that point you you pretty much know how yeah. urban legends are gonna go
0: yeah as soon as you say see a- april 12th or april 1912 you know going on a ship
1: yeah mm. yeah i'm like huh what and happened it- around that time oh yeah okay i see where this is going
0: <laughs> all right well we got time for one more uh this one's a short one it's called oh, the goody. bloody
1: rain oh okay
0: not to be confused with chocolate rain
1: not to be confused with heavy rain
0: heavy rain chunky rain
1: oh i haven't heard uh, that's I from bowfinger know. the movie bowfinger Oh chunky rain
0: So it was almost noon on a hot day in the beginning of July, 1863. For a little over six hours, the slaves had been working in the tobacco fields of the Chandler Farm in Tennessee. Mr. Chandler was entertaining a neighbor, Mr. Peyton, on the veranda when several field hands came running up to the house in panic. As they grew closer, Chandler and Peyton could see splotches of what looked like blood on the men's skin and clothes. At first, the men were too worked up and out of breath to tell a coherent story. But finally, one of them blurted out, "'It's raining flushing blood in the tobacco fields.' The field hands described how a large red cloud had mysteriously appeared over them and covered the field with a gory rain. Although they were skeptical, Chandler and Peyton followed the slaves back to the field and waded into the tall rows of tobacco plants. To their amazement, they saw the tobacco leaves covered with dark red stains. Scattered on the ground were small whitish and grayish fragments that resembled fresh meat. "'Could be a hoax,' Peyton said." But just to be Could
1: sh- be a hoax. Like who? Do, <laughs> did, they, they, they they just ran back and said they saw it. Right. Also, also there's there's an allegory here, definitely. What? The, to, we got time. What? The, the tobacco field stained with blood. Oh yeah, true. Mm. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat>
0: but just to be sure, let's collect some samples and take them over to the university in Nashville for analysis. And I don't know why I just went. Mean- country on Nashville. 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 I think that's just how you have to say it. Yeah. You just got to say Nashville.
1: I can't say it any other way.
0: For analysis. Uh, Chandler sent one of the field hands back to the house for two large cloth sacks. In one, they put a few dozen to stained tobacco leaves. In the other, they put several handfuls of the flesh-like scrapes. Or scraps, sorry. As they carried the bags of the samples out of the cornfield, both men tried to ignore the putrid smell rising from the bag of fragments. At the house, they washed up, then mounted their horses and rode to Nashville. The laboratory of Nashville's God, Central wait, University. They
1: were, they were where? It
0: was in... Uh, I don't believe it says... It says uh, Just a the Chandler Farm in Tennessee.
1: It uh, okay, exactly. in Tennessee. I was thinking they were like in another state and about to ride their horses <laughs> to fucking Tennessee. And I'm like, man, I forgot that people couldn't just take planes in the 1800s. Yeah,
0: and it's a lot... Longer than it seems in, in uh, yeah. Red Dead Redemption,
1: oh, you can for ride fuck's from sake, <laughs> Texas to Mexico yeah. in ten minutes. Yep, <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, so the laboratory of Nashville Central University's science department was housed in a handsome stone building in Rutledge Hill. Which, how much science was going on in
1: 1863? Not
0: a fucking lot. Yeah. But they, uh... You take, you go to amputate, and you know, your arms cut off, and the, yeah, doc, my arms cut off.
1: Yeah, it is. Yep. I bet that hurts. <laughs> all
0: right. Yeah, well, glad I could help.
1: There was a great bit in Scrubs where they were like, "You wouldn't be, you wouldn't believe how bad this procedure would have been just a few years ago." And then it flashes back, and then the doctor again is like, "You wouldn't believe how bad this was just a few years ago." <laughs> and it goes all the way back to like the 1800s, and the doctor just takes out a saw.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um... Chandler and Peyton found the chairman of the science department, Professor Jackson, told him their story and produced the two sacks. That's a wild story, gentlemen, Professor Jackson said.
1: Oh my god, they rode all the way to Nashville with these sacks. Of rotting Of rotting flesh, I yeah. guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't believe it rained flesh and blood in my tobacco field, Chandler said, but I'd be obliged if you would analyze these samples for me. Well it'll take a few hours to run the test, Professor Jackson said. Come back tomorrow, and I'll give you the results then. It's all the same to you, Professor, Peyton said. We'll wait.
1: Sorry. We'll just wait.
0: Yeah. We'll just, yeah. We got shit. You know, we can kick it around Nashville.
1: Right. Shit. They were looking (laughs) for an excuse to go to Nashville. Yeah, exactly. This is also definitely like somebody nearby was playing with dynamite and blew themselves (laughs) up, and it rained down on the field.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, a few hours later, a student found Chandler and Peyton walking about... the campus and invited them to join professor jackson in his office they found the professor standing beside his desk looking uneasy well gentlemen i confess that i am perplexed by the results of my analysis he
1: said i am plum perplexed i'm
0: I'm as confused as a tick on a on a piece of concrete
1: straight mad live that (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: been a long time since any improv classes so chandler and peyton kept silent so professor jackson continued the red stains on the tobacco leaves are most certainly blood, Professor Jackson paused for a moment before speaking again, and these fragments are human flesh. On the ride home, the two men discussed the professor's analysis. I still say it's a hoax, Chandler said. Well, if I was a superstitious man, Peyton said, I'd say this rain was a bad omen. Before long, Peyton's instincts proved to be correct. The next day, both Chandler and Peyton received telegrams announcing that their sons had been killed at Gettysburg.
1: I don't see how we got from A to B. It was an omen, I guess. I guess.
0: There are variations on the story. Uh, Tennessee folklore also tells of a mysterious inky darkness that descended on western Tennessee one day. Ooh. A legend set in Memphis also des- describes another odd rainstorm in which hundreds of snakes fell from the sky.
1: I I still think that somebody in like the next plantation over was trying to fuck with dynamite and blew themselves up and <laughs> and it rained some of their flesh and blood down on the neighboring field.
0: Either way, that would be that would be something I would just if I was standing outside and all of a sudden like blood started dripping from the sky and chunks of human I would start drinking the blood? R- no, no oh, god. Wait. Yes. <laughs> I was like,
1: what the fuck, <laughs> man? <laughs> no, no, I would assume that the end of the world is happening yeah. and I ain't going to heaven. So, I would just go ahead and get as shit-faced as I possibly could.
0: So, a typical Tuesday?
1: I don't usually drink, Don. I don't drink a lot. Who was sweating whiskey not too long ago? That was New Year's Day. (laughs) That was different. (laughs) Uh, I believe the entire sentence was uh, sweating whiskey while it feels like somebody taps my head with a sledgehammer. Oh, there you go. So
0: that is fun size, fun-sized, bite bite-sized uh, uh, midget. I don't know what you want to call it.
1: Ooh, not that not one. Not that <laughs> one,
0: probably. Um, but uh, these are just going to be some little shorter ones. We'll probably drop them on Wednesdays. Yeah, so, I
1: like it. Just it's, to kind of yeah.
0: you know, give you a little something to hold on to until we get to the bigger stuff to, uh, when they drop on Sunday. So if you like it, awesome. If you don't like it, I don't care. Um, I'm just trying to provide content.
1: And if, if Don doesn't care and I don't care, you fucking know Ruben doesn't care.
0: This is true. <laughs> this, this is, this is Ruben, quite true.
1: Ruben doesn't even care about the numbers on the show that he's supposed no. to care about. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, don't bother me with those. Yep. Let me know when we hit big milestones. <laughs> so, All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up
0: for this little fun bite-sized um, Tootsie Roll.
1: Yeah, it's good. Toot- <laughs> We're not calling them Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> we can't we can't <laughs> if you guys can think of a good good <laughs> uh,
0: a good name for this show please uh, feel free to leave it on the facebook page uh you know where you can find us we now have a uh, a website but right now it's just basically uh links to the um podcast yeah the different uh places yeah. to go we will, this will be actually be them.
1: great to animate yeah a little some short one yeah. yeah
0: we'll get there one day so for bite-sized Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop, Drop. I'm Don. I'm Josh. (laughs) And we'll talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye.